0: Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 102. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Greetings, Dr. Woolman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Woolman. I'll be your host along with Christina today as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy in search of optimal health. Exciting day today, Christina.
0: Oh, yes. Every day is exciting. I mean, there's something uh, shifting in the air right now that is just making things move quickly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be speaking with Anatara today. And all of you that watch this show and are familiar with Yoga Hub know that Anatara has been part of the uh, virtual conferences. She has her own show, Flowing into Awareness. Uh, So many things that we're going to be talking about today. But today we're focusing on her aspects of intuition and healing. And in past episodes, uh, with Dr. Deidre Mann's episode 55, we spoke about her healing uh, from a cancer. And we learned from her as a doctor of physical therapy and a Pilates instructor and the director of Monarch Wellness Group, what was important in healing healing. And for her, it had to do with knowledge and support groups. We also talked with uh, Lon Winston, the artistic director of uh, Thunder River Theater Company, in episode 35. Uh, He's also an actor, a playwright, and a director. He had many bouts with cancer, and he taught us about the possibilities of uh, healing with cancer, knowledge and with support groups and with humor. And today we're going to be talking with Anatara about healing and intuition, not only from the point of view of what is intuition and understanding it, but also how she used it in her own healing. But before we do that, Christina...
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, anytime during this show, whether if you're watching it online, just feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and make sure you click submit. We will make sure that your uh, question or comment is... Uh, Uh, shared with uh, our guest or Dr. Woman. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, which many of you do now, um, give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. And again, we will relay your message and get back to you if you leave us your contact information. Thank you, Glenn.
1: You're welcome, Christina. And I just want to encourage people to get in touch with us. Uh, We're always interested in what you're thinking about and your comments for our shows and how we can uh, make them more interesting and enlightening for you. So today we're going to be speaking with Anatara. She's life awareness counselor and a master intuitive. And I would like to just start immediately by saying hello, Anatara. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello, Glenn. Hi, nice Anatara. To see you today. Hi.
1: <laughs> Yay. Yo, yeah, this is like the whole group here. Yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> now she's crested almost every show. Or the original shows. Really? <laughs> yeah, Congratulations, Anatara. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Anatara. as the medical guide, I usually like to tell our listeners and viewers uh, the path that I hope we uh, venture on today, knowing that uh, it may go off in different directions, <laughs> and I have no control. But I want to start uh, a little bit learning about you, although everybody can go to all your other shows and learn about you, but then I want to talk about intuition itself and how that works in healing, and then we want to get into uh, an episode that you had where you became fairly sick and needed to go through a healing process and how you went about that. We're always trying to uh, give our listeners ways to help healing, and many times it's about going to the right healer but also there are things that people can do for themselves and that's what we want to touch on today and at the end i want to have i want you to offer us a little course uh, intuition 100
0: <laughs> <laughs> not, <102? laughs> not 102
1: not 102 yeah that's that's watching flowness flowing into awareness but uh, just a little bit of ideas of how people can start to improve their own intuition or learn what they need to to use it as an aspect of each person's healthcare plan. How does that sound to you, Anatara?
2: It, it sounds wonderful, Glenn. Just Excellent. wonderful.
1: Excellent. So let's start with your beginnings. And I want to talk about the influences uh, from your parents and where you lived and what got you into healing, being okay. a healer.
2: Okay. Um, I would first say that I think I was always a healer and always believed that I could heal. I could heal myself. I watched it happen when I was a child. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, okay. my, m- uh, my influences, my parents were both born in rural southern Ontario, farming country. One was the son of a barber. One was the son of um, uh, the daughter of a uh, of a, of a just a regular farmer who believed very strongly in human nature and in the power of the people. Let's say he was instrumental in the very, very beginning of what we call in Canada, the, the national democratic party. It's, it's the party that believes in listening to one another, to cooperating and, and to, to creating, creating politics and political, making political decisions that matter for the people. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that I know has been very instrumental. And I used to, I used to listen to him as a tiny child. He actually scared me because he was so tall and so big and his voice was so deep. But he really, I could see in my mother how that mattered, how it really mattered that we would all work together to treat each other equally. And that definitely flowed over into the way I, I, I looked at myself and who I wanted to be. The, uh, my mother was put through medical school during World War II in two and a half years, graduated as a tiny, tiny woman at, at the age of 22 and a half, and went right into into you know being a, a full full on physician, my father was an engineer. They moved from southern Ontario to Boston. My father to teach at MIT. My mother to work with um, doctors and in psychiatry and neurology at Harvard. So I I was always. Close to the medical profession, I grew up playing in hospitals. The, the the nurses and the staff, and even the hairdressers they were they were people that looked after my sisters and I when my mother went to work, and we were always taken into the into the hospital rooms of her of her some of her um, neurological patients, some people with MS, and other sort of brain tr- difficulties. Um, she took us there to meet them, to see them, to bring them light, to bring them you know a, a sense of there is something bubbly out there in the world. Uh, and you know when people now say, "Oh, I just hate hospitals, I say, "I love hospitals yeah. <laughs> when When I have to go to a hospital now, I feel myself as part of the part of the essence of what keeps it flowing and what keeps it moving and and I, I would also, I also think that when, as a child, as I saw these patients and I saw the the structure of the hospital, I could feel what the staff were feeling, I could feel what they needed, I could feel what the, what the patients needed, and I could see where the gaps were. And I actually had conversations with my mother when I was quite young about what I was seeing. So I think that's where some of the intuition started. So I grew up in Massachusetts, a, a very beautiful, beautiful state, um, actually in Concord, Mass, uh, only a mile away from Walden Pond where Henry mm. David Thoreau lived. So my playground was was Walden Pond. And and the not too just, shabby. Not too shabby at all. And the and the beauty of life in in at that time rural New England. But I was also connected to all of the the intellectual stimulation of being around Cambridge around Harvard around some of the other other places that exist and still do exist in Massachusetts and I felt that there was a part of me that was invited to speak and invited to come out and in the in the private schools that I went to which were not colloquial schools they were there was such such a combination of a very deep learning with integrity and with the with the outlook that each individual student counted and they mattered. So I really, I really feel that that framed my, my, the way I look at things. So there's one other thing that's very important about my upbringing. My mother being a doctor in the early, late forties, early fifties, was quite concerned about polio. Um, No one was sure that the polio vaccine would work when it did come out. And so she was looking for a place for my sisters and I to spend the, spend the summers that was far, far away from any of the, you know, the, the, the debris of germs. And I say germs in quotes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so my parents bought a very small Island in Northern Ontario on the, on the, in Georgian Bay, which is an off, offshoot. It's a smaller lake on Lake Huron where they could take us and we would sit on this Island and be not, and not be exposed to anything. So I grew up three months of every summer for my whole childhood, right up until I was 20, sitting on this, Beautiful island, playing in pristine water that I still drink, uh, living outside in the sun with the animals, with the birds, with the mosquitoes, <laughs> uh, and and being being there for that length of time every year of my life showed me how integral every system of of the earth is, um, you know, compared to and in combination with humans, with human life, and. And I learned there to be in, a, in an open and meditative and intuitive state just simply by being there. So so those are some of the those are some of the the early influences for me. Later on in life, I attended a college called Friends World College, in which you go to different centers, to different places around the world, and you create your own learning experience. Mm. So so one of my experience my first experience was to go and assist with some medical friends of my mother's at the University of Nevada. Who were leading and teaching a course for pre med, pre nursing, um, all forms of medical assistance uh, careers, teaching them how to listen to people, how to listen to themselves first, how to listen to people. And then we actually went into a community and created a, a local medical, you know, sort of medical place where people could come for services. So I assisted with that course when I was only 17 and really came to understand. What happens when people need something? What happens when people feel sick, and and what happens as they try to integrate with the systems that already exist? Um, and my next, the next most important, um, what well, we used to call them projects at, at Friends World College, was that I went to India and I lived there for two years. Watching what people did when they were ill, watching what people did when they were sick. So I looked at Ayurveda, I looked at sh- at the, the local Indian shamans, I looked at snake worship, I looked at all of the traditional and non-traditional ways that people looked and worked with and functioned with their own illness and the people that they felt would help them. I learned a lot about faith, about faith healing, about faith in, in one's own um, religion to, to and how that can be integrated into healing. Uh, so and and I learned an awful lot then as well about yoga and about meditation. And I and so I think that sort of summarizes the main influences that have that have brought me to where I am.
1: It certainly does, and it gives us a very nice picture of that. I'm I'm picturing you. I I don't know if I should be saying this on the air. I guess we can edit this out. I'm picturing you naked on the island.
2: <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Purely as a, an innocent child developing in nature.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly how I grew up.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so now you've had all these influences, and then now you have to make a choice as to what you want to be when you grow up, mm. and you become a life awareness counselor and a master intuitive. Give us a little bit of how that actually came into being, what you did for that.
2: Sure. Well, I always thought that I was going to be a doctor, as you did. Yeah. Please excuse that sound. Um, so I realized in talking to my mother that it was very hard to be a woman and to have children and to fit into the medical, medical profession. Mm-hmm. That no one, no one had ever taught her how to be a professional and to have a family as well. So I started to shy away from that, knowing that I felt that healing was really important. Knowing that I knew that I could heal. And I could interpret and intuit what people needed for their own healing. Uh, I didn't, at that time, it's very interesting how this works, I didn't know about naturopathy or homeopathy. It it hadn't crossed my my scan yet. I, I I hadn't seen it. So I didn't jump into that, which I think I probably would have. So... Instead, I, I did what felt right next, which was to start to work with people with, you know, special needs. And I don't know what the the term these days is to to be most respectful about that. But I started to work in big institutions where there were people with emotional, um, you know, mental, physical needs that were that were couldn't be at home, couldn't live on their own, and I quickly discovered that. The part of my heart that opened to to I, I suppose it was a form of empathy, but it was deeper than that. I could get right inside the hearts of anyone who who couldn 't communicate and couldn 't couldn 't speak or, or show me what they needed and what they wanted, so I did that for a number of years, then I had two children. Um, and then went back into into doing that as well as doing what we call home care or home support, so for many, many years, I worked in home support with essentially mostly elderly people who I found the same thing with i, I could I related to them on a cellular energetics um, way about what was happening inside them. I could listen to a, to their voice and know where the pain was and, and that sort of thing started to happen to me and and then eventually, when I, when I took a course to become a Bach flower remedy counselor and, and started to work with the Bach flower remedies, the woman who, who taught the course, who at that time was working in New York City with the Ministry of Angels, kept mentioning angels, angelic communication, speaking with the angels. And I thought, oh, that, that's just this just like the best christmas present i could possibly imagine so i asked her about it and she explained that she spoke with people's angels with guardian angels with the angels and the guardians of the earth with devas with fairies with with whatever um being of that sort there was and received information for people so i went to one of her courses which synchronistically <laughs> was happening the next weekend and as soon as i asked a question and opened to the to the possibility that there was an answer there for me, I was flooded with reams of, of words, with information, and with sensations that accompanied it. From that point on, I started to listen to the angels, and, and they instructed me um, how to start to hear information for my family, then for friends, then, then to turn it into, a, you know, to an actual career and And, from there, it just goes on and on and on
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk uh, I have so many questions right now, obviously, but I want to try and stay on my own path here uh, let 's start talking about intuition itself. uh give us a definition or a description
2: okay, and I think i 'll probably come at this from different from different directions sure. and i want and I want you to know that as I am describing how I see intuition, I am not. At the thinking about this. I'm going to let flow through whatever comes through intuitively in the moment for me to for me to say or
0: Excellent. to describe.
2: So for me, intuition is a heartfelt thing. It's it is it is the truth. Literally, it is the truth about everything as we are able to interpret it and feel it as it comes through our heart centers when we have an intuitive thought or an intuitive hunch, we may not know that it, is, it has entered our cognizance or our awareness through our hearts, but I want to emphasize that it has. So I've said a couple things. It's, it's heartfelt communication and it is truth. The language of intuition is not one that the mind creates. It's not one that has any sort of, of um, concrete... Word description or definition. It is how we find ourselves knowing from the deepest center of ourselves, which is connected to and inseparable from the center of all that is, however, one wants to look at that, it could be the center of your God or Goddess. It could be the center of the universe. It could be the Earth that's that's bringing in, in intuitive information. But it but it is always about your truth, the truth of being, and the truth of absolute and and unquenchable, undeniable love. Does, does that help, Glenn? <laughs>
1: It does. Uh, and, <laughs> and of course it brings up more questions. Uh, I, I need to know there are many people that I've worked with uh, emotionally, physically, psychologically that hear voices and are hearing people tell them things. And many of these people are being placed on medications because they're hearing voices. What's the difference between someone who's schizophrenic hearing voices and someone like yourself who is hear- are you hearing voices or feeling voices? What's- How do we know the difference there?
2: Okay, it's it's an excellent, excellent question, and I know that sometimes when people start to work with intuition, and I know we'll continue the conversation about this too, but as people start to ask for intuitive information, the, the sense of it arriving... Can often be quite scary, and, and since schizophrenia is something that we all are apprehensive about, it's no wonder that it's a scary thing. It's it, it can be it, it's unusual. We don't know anything about it. If we were taught as children to believe in that inspiration that comes through us in many different ways, we would not be afraid of it as we are sometimes now. Okay, so is it voices? I don't hear voices. Per se, I all of a sudden know something if i 'm looking at a person who's in pain, emotional or physical, and I hear something from them i am I am receiving a knowing my intuition is bringing that to me in the form of just "Aha, I see that in you now, I understand that it 's a knowing mm-hmm. um, I can ask when i when I speak to the angels and I ask for for specific information, I hear them. Also, as a knowing, but I sense their I sense their presence as one would when one is in a, a state of complete and utter bliss from meditation or from something else that makes one blissful when When I ask specifically for information about another individual, I sometimes hear the the tenor or the tone of their voice or their mood, but it 's not the same as hearing voices per se. I from, from what I understand from speaking with people who are schizophrenic, much of the time the information is brilliant and the and the the understanding is brilliant on certain levels, but it's not generally something or always something that feels loving or that makes them feel at one with whatever that voice is delivering. And and I would say that when one is truly working with their intuition, there is a, there's a complete safety in it. There's a, there's a sense that there's nothing malevolent that could, that could happen through that voice or, or because of that, because of the voice of the information, however that is. One more thing about intuition. Um, we can receive intuition in, in a myriad, in myriad ways. It can come through, through the voice of a friend. It can come through a, a newspaper that flashes by and gives us information. It can come because a dog comes up to us and, and, and wags its tail and looks up at us eagerly. Intuition is not limited in any way as to how it can be delivered. And each of us has our own form of receiving it. And, and that is, that's the primary thing that I like to focus on with people when I'm teaching them how to, how to receive um, information through their intuitions.
1: We're going to be getting. We're going to be getting into you teaching us a little bit about intuition. But you mm-hmm. mentioned children. Uh, mm-hmm. When we're born, do we all have intuition?
2: Yeah, I would say absolutely. Uh, even yes, yeah, we come here with it. It, it is one of the primary, um, b- most beautiful things that we as humans actually actually come here with.
1: So what physical bodies? So what do we? do as parents and as teachers to recognize that in children and have them not fear it?
2: Mm, beautiful, beautiful question. The, the, one of the most important things is to always listen, to truly, openly, um, with with enthusiasm and consideration and respect, listen to what the children are saying to us. Even if it feels like a fantasy to us, does that really matter? Does it matter if, if something that could, that could be their intuition speaking to them from other realms and from the realm around us? Does it matter if it seems fantastical to us? You know, it doesn't matter at all. What matters is that the child feels that they can Explain what they're seeing, explain what they're feeling, and explain what they're believing, ir- irregardless of what the subject is, and that we will take that information and either say, that's really interesting, can you tell me more, or say, hmm, is is this what it's like for you, rather than shutting them down and and trying to... Put some sort of strange external configuration on what it is that they're trying to tell us. If, if we allow them to be open, if we allow them to flow with what's flowing for them, then they won't become shut down. If, if we can sometimes stop the dialogue that we, that we have with kids and let, let the moment be as well, you'll see that, that kids are receiving all the time from places that we as adults don't often, um, even um, acknowledge anymore
1: do you think we shut that down
2: i think that we're taught to shut it down Mm -hmm. i think that i think that there isn't enough of an offering from from most of this much of the school systems from much of the adult dialogue from a great part of, of traditional religion i believe that there isn't enough of an invitation to keep that flowing
1: Do you think there should be a balance? I always look at combinatorial medicine, uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that uh, people should have intuition, but people should also have an understanding of the science of life also. Do you see it as a balance?
2: Yeah, I, I see that a balance is very helpful, and I also see that each and every one of us is on on a we're we're flowing, you know, sort of through that balance, through that scale of being more intuitive or more scientific, let's say, or more mental. Um, and and I have to tell you that I love my scientific mind. My scientific mind is a prized possession. <laughs> I love the I love the way it can take the facts that I learned in science and at school, the facts that I observe, and and work with them through my intuition. So my in- intuitive mind informs my scientific mind, my scientific mind informs my intuitive mind, and I would I I really feel that most of the time I am uh, maybe not a perfect balance, but I'm always in some sort of vortex or spiral where both are functioning
1: as they should, I believe. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Let's uh, shift gears for a few minutes because we're not really going to leave intuition and intuition and healing, but I want to talk about uh, an episode that you had uh, more than how you treat other people. I want to talk about how you treat yourself. So I see you uh, down in Mexico. I see you having a great time swimming with the tortoises and, and going out fishing and looking at all the ruins and just having a great time. Partly with Christina, I think you were there, right?
0: We were. Oh, yes, we were. And we yeah. actually did a few shows for Flowing into Awareness right there on the beach, right on the We did it with fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you had no idea at the time that you were going to be sick later on or did you
2: no i didn't no i did not
1: okay so you you finish your trip and you go home you return to uh life in canada right
2: correct salt spring island
1: and and so (laughs) what happened what was your first indication that something was wrong
2: Okay, I'm going to just go back just a hair to the,
0: the, the coming out of Mexico. Quite because honestly, she did not want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's my intuitive sense. No, the body, the really? cellular body just went, I don't think so. That's reality there. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> so that's what well, this is all about.
0: Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's so interesting because that
2: was a very large part of the way I first looked at my illness, and I'll get to that in a minute. So you, 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 you've heard about my past. You've heard that I spent three months every year on an island in the middle of nowhere swimming, naked as a child, naked as an adult sometimes, but but at, at one with the elements all the time. In Mexico, I was able to live the life of what I call my mermaid self. I'm a Pisces, I'm a water being. It's it's it, everything for me is about water. And, and so flow. It, it, and flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and so I, I, I was in Mexico for a month. I swam probably six hours a day. I was in the water even more than that, snorkeling, um, floating, diving, just just living in the sunshine and the surf and the water. It, it, nothing could be better for me. So when I left Mexico, I was in my peak physical form as well as my peak emotional and I would say intuitive form. Everything was flowing Perfectly, I remember feeling it's it's too bad that this time is ending this this is the the life that I want for myself as much as possible, but i don 't remember having any real apprehension about going home um, because I felt so good and I came home and had a very very productive first week i I worked with clients, I had new insights, I had new ways of speaking to them. I was able to dive right into my practice with new with new enthusiasm and and new New energy, new energy, really. So, a week after being home, after having this very, very productive week, I, I, I woke up one morning with with abdominal pain that I can't, I don't even know how to describe. My abdomen was distended from my sternum right to my groin. It was, it was different than being pregnant. It wasn't this lovely round being happening inside of me. It was some sort of menacing. Painful, gurgling mass that 's the best way that I have to describe it, and I was immediately rendered by this sensa- these sensations inert i couldn't eat I, I only i drank only for about ten days couldn't eat anything, and I started to look at you know what I was going to do to heal myself and It's it's funny in that sort of physical distress, intuition takes on a it it took on a different a different form for me. It wasn't like I had a broken arm or a broken leg, and I could be just focused on that. This pain and this this thing inside me, which I did accept as being part of me at the time, was, it was almost as if it was eating me from the inside out. It was was destroying things and breaking things down from the inside out. I want to say that I was never frightened by the experience. I wasn't afraid for my life. I felt that I was being shown a different part of what physicalness can feel like and that it was eventually going to give me things. It was going to give me insight. It was going to give me knowledge, and it was going to show me different elements of who I am.
1: So before we go further for just mm-hmm. one second, in a sense, what we do in the emergency department is is triage. We determine <laughs> uh, who is most critically ill, who, is life, who has a life-threatening or limb or sight-threatening problem, and we react on that. What I'm getting from you right now is, from your intuition, you did a a triage that said, "Yes, something is bad, but it's not life threatening," and you went on from there. Is that,
2: yes, correct? Yeah, that, that's a that's a good way to look at. It. But I I did immediately start to do some things to to find out what was going on. Some scientific, but perhaps on the the left side of science <laughs> scientific things to discover what it was. Okay. Uh, so I didn't immediately, although all my, all, my whole family said, you have to go to the doctor right now, and I just knew that was not what I was going to do. I believed, I believed in my, completely that I could go to the doctor and likely be diagnosed and likely be you know, assisted in my healing, but mm-hmm. that, wasn't what, that wasn't what I felt inside that I was going to do or was to do. Um, i I have um, a friend and a healer in in Ontario who does you know, long distance energy healing, and you know I have to admit that i can 't remember the name of what it is that she does mm-hmm. because because I have felt it so so thoroughly for the last two years and know that whenever anything comes up for me that she can diagnose things and then change the ener- the energy of it um, The way she describes what she does and we 'll just keep this brief the way she describes what she does is that ident- she identifies um, what it is that is causing distress and provides a frequency that renders it incapable of being there any longer. Uh, so it is. It is actually scientific. It is actually energetic. But it's not something that is mainstream in North America, from what I understand. And,
1: and she did this long distance rather than yes. hands-on, so to yes. speak.
2: Okay. She, has a, she has a photograph of me, she has a hair sample, and, and she, so she puts that on her machine to do the diagnosis and the treatment. Okay. So I, I phoned her that morning when I was so, so sick, and I was crying, and I said, I, I've never felt anything like this. You are the person that I believe in, that will, will and can lead me through this. And so she immediately went to work. She, she worked with me for six weeks on a daily basis. It was a, a phenomenal. It was a phenomenal experience and journey for her as well as she as she expresses it.
1: By anyway, phone was it by phone or was it by no. Skype or was it just t- through intuition and energetics?
2: In, what, she would use her energetic diagnostic machine. And she would find out what was going on, and then we, we emailed back and forth. Okay. All, I could, all I could do was to lie in bed and look at my phone and send emails. Okay. Even talking, even talking with, in this illness that I had, it, I was, it was so debilitating I couldn't think. I had, I had no energy. So, so that's why I explained that in the beginning how energetic and full of life I was to come to this place where I was physically completely undone. Um, so she, she, you know, she discovered that I had, um, some parasites and that they had infiltrated all sorts of different parts of my body. And we just kept at it. Every day it becoming a little bit better, every day the pain becoming a little bit less and less, and every day her discovering some other organ or part of my body which had been infiltrated by the parasites, and Mm -hmm. eventually completely eliminating them from my systems and from my body. Uh, There was this this is an interesting one one interesting thing that I don't think you and I have discussed, Glenn. At one point, after not eating for, you know, eight to eight, maybe eight or nine days, I found that, and I and I kept thinking to myself, I wonder if this is a brain effect of you know starvation, literally. But I found that as I opened my eyes and looked at anything, I could see right through. All of the, all of the, the, you know, the, the functional form and material integrity of everything around me, right out into the co- what I would call the cosmos. I could see the stars and the planets and everything else. It was as if the physical part of my, of my anatomy that usually sees things had also been dissolved so i i felt in many ways at that point that i had come back to source literally come back to source you know the great void the place where all creative creative energy comes from i really felt like i had met that and was that again
0: um do you have any other questions before i sort of continue with how the the illness was resolved i do actually <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So this healer in Ontario, you actually sent her a specimen of your hair? Many so years she, ago. Oh okay, many years ago. And mm-hmm. you mentioned that she puts it in a machine to do a diagnosis. Now this is so yes. this is a scientific machine that she yes. has. Yes. So that machine diagnoses your hair at this it, present day, which you had given her years ago. Yeah, so it, the cellular transference is there it's it's an energetic cellular transference the,
2: the cellular the cellular elements in the hair identify me, and then then the energetic long distance connection mm. can identify what's actually going on for me right now.
0: Oh, very cool. I want to know what this machine is. <laughs>
2: I I have the, I sent you the information this week too, and I, I just honestly can't remember what it's called. It's, it's, it's well known well known in Europe apparently. Great. <laughs> I'm on it, but but she works she works with it intuitively. So Fabulous. so she she'll get a little bit of of the scientific information, and then she'll see how it plays out with what she is feeling and sensing about me. Great. Ooh. It's, Okay. So so we continued this way and, and when I started to be able to literally get to get out, out out of bed, and at that point I was getting out of bed only to go to the washroom and to try to have a bath every day. And to get up and and have a bath and go to the washroom would take me two or three hours because the pain was so intense and because I was becoming so weak. And I remember standing up and thinking This is the most interesting sensation that I have ever had. I I cannot remember ever having experienced anything like this before in my life. And watching it that way, I was doing it more through a state of curiosity than a fear for my for my well being, because I could feel that things were shifting, and I knew that I really believed that it was it wasn't my time to not be here any longer and and I, I remember one morning I woke up and I heard some music somewhere in the house and I started to sing, like a few notes came out of my mouth and I said, oh, there's a good sign, I'm coming back <laughs> um, so I, I got up out of bed eventually, perhaps after about 10 days I tried to go up the stairs and I had no muscle left there was, my body was completely in in, in, in I was almost invisible physically. I'd lost 10 pounds. I only weigh 108 pounds to start with. I, the muscle was gone. My legs didn't know what to do to hold me up to get me up the, up up the stairs. I think it was probably more just the bone structure that did it in my determination. So I just progressed every day. I got stronger. Every day I was able to eat something else. Every day I was um, able to, to have a mind that would, would work more clearly with my intuition and and, go ahead.
1: No, I was, I was going to say that I think a key (laughs) point in what you're bringing up right now is that you approach this not in fear. And I think that, and most people, when they have something wrong with them, they go to a fear state Mm -hmm. and probably that adds to the whole process. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. it brings them to the right people who can help, but, uh, it sounds like just by not being in a fear state uh, was part of the healing also.
2: I agree with you 100%, Glenn, and I really appreciate your pointing, appreciate your pointing that out because I hadn't, haven't heard that verbalized yet. hadn't actually verbalized that for myself. I knew from inside myself, because I feel like I know myself pretty well in, in most ways, that it was all, all going to be okay. That I was going to be be brought through this. I was going to flow through this to see what was what was there when it was when it was complete.
1: I want to make and, sure. Oh, go um, ahead. I'm sorry.
2: no, no. I, I was just going to say that one of you know one of the things that was there when it was complete was that I had been cleaned out everything was cleaned out i think that any storage points of of um you know pesticides uh, poisons illness you know viral and bacterial things um funguses that that this method also clears it was all gone i i, I could it, it was a chance to re to re-initiate re-initialize my physical self
1: did you uh You know, I always talk about combinatorial medicine. So right now you've gone with the intuitive and you've gone through this energetic healing. Did you do anything... Uh, from a scientific point of view that your mother would be proud of?
2: <laughs> actually, actually, by the time she left this earth, she was thinking more the way I am. She was the one who taught me not to believe everything the doctors say, <laughs> and to always look around the back corner and see what's there. Okay, yes, I did. Uh, eventually, at about the 10 or 12-day point, my family couldn't take it anymore and couldn't feel the improvements I was feeling. And they said to me, you yeah, you absolutely have to go to see the doctor. And I had, I was actually postponing it purposefully because I didn't want to have to um, gear myself into the to the whatever they might want me to do if i didn 't agree with it i mm-hmm. wasn 't believing that it was going to be bad, but I wanted to be able to make say no if i didn 't want it so I did go to the hospital they did an ultrasound and they found two or three masses in my in my lower uh, abdomen, which to them you know, at my age at sixty made them think, oh, it could be ovarian cancer. It's probably more likely a ruptured appendix, but they didn't know that I really did understand what kind of pain I'd had. So from from that, that they they I had an an, an emergency T, CT scan in which they found the the masses, and 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 thought, well, it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like your appendix ruptured. It doesn't look like it was you know. It's definitely not anything going on with your ovary. So we'll just wait a little while. And my, my regular doctor was away and the locum didn't catch, um, at that point that, that perhaps with those masses that there and them calling them abscesses, that I should be placed on antibiotics, which was something I really didn't want because I know how disruptive that is to my, in the inner flora and my gut whenever I have to take them. So since he missed it, I didn't have to, I didn't have to take anything <laughs> at that point, And I didn't ask for it. Uh, and Not f- feeling at that point that i wasn't threatened, and knowing that my my healer was also working on on those on those masses, so I went back an, a week later to have the, an, another c t scan done, and the size of the of the masses. Um, the abscesses was was down to 25% of what it had been. It had been reduced by 75%. So the doctors looked at me and they said, you're a miracle. How, you know, how, how is this possible? These things are gone. Uh, and, and they, of course, didn't know what I was doing, but they said, we don't want to do any harm, so we're not going to try to drain them for you. At, at that point, though, they did keep me in hospital overnight, one night, night to receive um, intravenous antibiotics, mm-hmm. which which p- perhaps did help with the final 25% of them disappearing. Um, but also, really disrupted my gut and put me back into some to more severe pain than I had been having, so I, I knew that I was being well taken care of and well well inspected, so to say by the medical profession. that did make me feel safe, even though i didn't feel it was necessary.
1: did we ever make a diagnosis, an official diagnosis? You had one from your healer in Ontario with the um, with the uh, Protozoans the or the parasites.
2: Yeah, the tapeworm and, p- and protozoa.
1: Tapeworm amebiasis or mm-hmm. uh, protozoa. Mm-hmm. Did uh, we ever make an official diagnosis? Did you get stool samples or anything yeah. like that? And,
2: and that was so fascinating. No, the, origi- the initial doctor visit, I said, shouldn't we do a stool sample? And he said, well, it'll take us 13 days to get that back. Uh, we're not going to bother with that right now. Maybe later. I'd rather do the
1: ultrasound to see what's going on. Okay. So, where are you now in your healing process?
2: I am vibrant, and um, every cell feels alive. I, I am my I am my normal bubbly effervescent self. <laughs> I am eating everything that I want to, whatever I want to. I've gained weight, and I'm now just I'm um, bringing back the muscle, the muscle mass.
1: So, were you at the end of this? Uh, let's assume that no other symptoms occur. Is there any possibility you will go back for uh, another CT scan or an ultrasound, or will you ever get a stool sample to make the official diagnosis?
2: I am not planning on it. I, okay. I definitely, I have been offered another CT scan if I wanted it, but they all, they all believe it's not necessary. So I kind, I kind of doubt that I will.
1: Okay, what would change your mind?
2: Curiosity.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. So. <clears throat> Yeah, that's interesting for me. (laughs) Uh,
2: I I threw that one out there for you, Glenn. (laughs) I
1: I appreciate that. Uh, I love curiosity, especially in medicine. I think it's always good to know things. Uh, I would love to uh, see if a stool sample now, even now that we have 12 or 13 days, not to worry. Because part of of my concern is that... uh, we have a tentatively unofficial mm-hmm. diagnosis of the tapeworm and things like that. And I know that there are specific treatments for the tapeworms and specific treatments for the uh, protozoan, not necessarily antibiotics. So mm-hmm. I would be curious as to uh, what might happen as we follow along as an continues to flow. <laughs>
2: Well, I I am willing to consider this just because it would be interesting. You know, it's, it's yeah. you know, it, and it's not because I'm fearful of it in any way. It, it, would, it would be quite interesting. When I lived in in India and when I came back from India, I did take a lot of different you know medications for different parasites, and I remember how horrible they made me feel. So that's that's a part of my reluctance. But I and I and I'll just add to this that it's the feeling that I have in my body that things have been. Almost reamed out and cleansed, and re and reset in a way that makes me feel that it's. I don't need to do that, but I'm not. I'm not a adverse to it, so maybe I'll do it.
1: Mm. Uh, we can. I, I think we could talk about this for a while, but I did promise <laughs> our audience that we will yeah. have a little course on intuition itself before Before I do that, I want to ask you the question of when you're interpreting and evaluating your own intuition and then you go into abnormal states of health how, how are you sure that the intuition as is uh working correctly and or not correctly
2: hmm. and and you you were referencing referencing that in terms of my health
1: yeah, or you in were, general for example no for example you were not eating You were very weak. You were not getting a lot of nutrition at that time. Your brain was going into various states Mm -hmm. and somewhere in between your heart and mind. And I know that, interestingly, in a lot of the Asian cultures and language, they use the same word for heart and mind. So Ah. probably in your heart mind, um, something was going on. And how do you know at that point that you're doing okay, and that Mm -hmm. you're not? Uh, interpreting something that's uh, not as beneficial for you as it could be in other circumstances.
2: Sure, my my first answer is going to be silly because I will just say I intuitively know. <laughs> but but that, <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's that's because of my the 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 level of the communication that I have with my my intuition and the the depth of how I I know that I receive information, and and this has proven to me that even a very extreme physical and mind state does not separate me from my connectedness with my intuition and therefore the connectedness with all that is. So that's, that is something very poignant that I have, you know, that I have proven. I don't know why I needed to prove it, but, (laughs) but maybe, maybe I did. Maybe, maybe that is going to be something that will assist me when I'm working with other people to do the same thing. So, uh how do i know i just i just had a sense i just knew i never felt I, as i said i didn't feel threatened i could see and i knew that i was coming back i i could see the signs even physically in myself that i was coming back and that mm-hmm. i was able to eat more and more so i knew i wasn't going to starve right. and and i could feel the physical changes that were signaling to me that i was improving so th- that there's the practical with the intuitive knowing that i am okay that i am going to be okay
1: Okay, so here we go. All of our listeners are anxiously waiting to become intuitive as you mm-hmm. are. So what would be the process that an adult or, or a young person at this mm-hmm. point listening to this show suddenly gets interested in, in becoming a master intuitive or just becoming intuitive for themselves? Uh, sure. What are the first few steps that one should take?
0: The
2: first, the very first and most important thing is to... Is to trust and and I'll show how that develops. So you trust and you and you believe even though you don't necessarily have to firmly believe it. You have an open you have an open mind. That's that's what the trust is about. You have an open mind that says there's this whole realm of information available to me that I don't always hear from. So you you put yourself in in an aspect of listening to everything that's around you. So what I'd do, what I'd like to do in the beginning with people right now is to have them close their eyes and to take a few very, very deep and slow, beautiful breaths, breaths that aren't forced, breaths that are not controlled, and to be aware of where the breath flows into them and how the breath flows out and when they're they're in this state of just being with the breath, not worrying about what the mind is doing, because it doesn't matter. Let the mind have its own chatter and have its own thoughts. But when you're in this state of starting with the breath, and this works beautifully with children, have them tell you and listen yourself to what you actually hear. What are you hearing? So identify the things that your ears hear. And then ask yourself, what is my skin hearing? And I like to use the word hearing instead of feeling, because hearing implies that openness, that willingness to be listening. So what is your skin hearing? Is it, is it cold? Is it hot? Is it that there's a a denseness to your right and and an openness to your left? What's your skin hearing? And then, and then start to, start to look inside to, what is my body hearing? What is my body feeling, sensing, knowing? And and you know, I've, I've sort of given the whole the whole first the first course in this in this one little bit of of, of, a, of a beginning. If we if we are busy in our heads all the time, or we're busy looking at things, um, electronic devices, TV, even reading books, we are not present for all of the things that are available to us and intuition eventually can come to us from all sorts of signals and sources but it starts by coming to us through through the senses and through the body when when you feel like you're like you're sort of playing with that and it's not a mystery to you because the more we do it the more we get from it you know if we if we very casually just say okay what am i hearing Oh, body, what are you hearing? What are you sensing? It'll just be—it'll be fun, perhaps, but it's not going to be. Um, there's not going to be enough of it happen so that communication really, really starts to happen. So the next, the next stage of this is to put yourself in that state of mind that I just described, and to literally pose a question to what you believe is your intuition, your intuitive side. And, and see whether you get an answer or not. I mean, it could be as simple as, what should I do today? Be aware of what, what first comes into your head. It could be very practical. You need to do this and this and this. Or it could be a surprise. It, it, you may hear, oh, you need to go and visit, um, you know, my, you need to go and visit your friend Mary. And you wonder why, but you think, I just heard that when I was in a more, uh, more quiet and open space than I usually am. So maybe I should follow up on that. So you pose a question, you see if you get any answer, you may or you may not get an answer, and then based on what comes to you, you decide on whether to act on it or not. So those are the first three steps. Prepare yourself, become open, listen, see what's available to you in that moment, and then ask and see what comes to you and the more you involve yourself in that sort of dialogue with yourself and with your surroundings the more rapidly your intuitive voice is going to is going to is going to come through to you. The thing about intuition is that we all have it, and we all can say, oh yeah, I I just had this hunch, I had this feeling. And sometimes it's about very very simple and normal daily lives, things in our daily lives, and sometimes it's because there's something of great urgency that we really need to pay attention to. And often it's in those states of great urgency that we really hear what we need to hear.
1: That was a great little course. I have a few questions (laughs) for you, of course. Sure. when in science uh, when I work in a hospital, uh, for example, in a laboratory, we send blood to the lab because we want we want some calculations and everything else when they When the lab starts their work in the morning, they always calibrate their instruments to make sure that they are right in tune. Uh, we do this with MRI scanners, we do this with everything. How do you calibrate uh, intuition to make sure? that it's going to be accurate and that it's not going to be involved in judgment or prejudice or belief systems or things like that. When you're, when you're talking about healing, I mean, if it's about, you know, where do I want to go today or what movie do I want to see? That's one thing. But when we're going to use this in terms of healing, Mm -hmm. can we calibrate, can we eliminate personal prejudice?
2: The question about calibration, Glenn is, is incredible. And, And because with, with uh, intuition, it's, it's more a matter of practice. As I was, as I was explaining, we practice the dialogue with our intuition. We practice opening to what intuition can tell, tell us and then, and then receiving the information and then working with it and using it. And we show ourselves what is true and real and good and loving information. As opposed to what is not, by the outcome of what happens when we act on that int- intuitive information. So it, it's not a calibration; it's a it's an opening. It's, as I said in the beginning, it's an opening of the heart in a way. It's it's the way we we reciprocate existence with our you know with our higher selves and with the all that is.
1: Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> now I like that. Uh, you know, it, it, we just have to. We can't always have what we want.
2: <laughs> not, not for pure scientists, no. And I'm not. And I'm not trying to say that you're a pure scientist because I know that you're not.
1: <laughs> no, I, I get that. But I, no, that was a good answer. I, I like that. And the practice, and even our uh, uh, wizard behind the scenes agrees with that. So it must be real. <laughs> it uh, must be. Yeah. Uh, you, we, we want to talk so much more about this, but I also want to talk a little bit for a moment about your uh, counseling.
2: Okay. Thank you. I, it's, it's funny. I'm still looking for a good term for that, for counseling, therapy. I don't know what it is. But, but I can tell you that what I do is, is help people find the source of the dialogue between themselves and everything else around them. And, and what I mean by that is that they, they find, find inside, by looking inside at the things that they call a problem or, a, or a, um, an inadequacy, they find a way to hear from within themselves, through my direction... Where that, that problem in quotes occurred, how it came to be there, um, how it is that it, it, it's locked into and interrelated to how they function in their lives now. So I, I work with children and families and adults and couples and, and so easily take them to, to a place where the miasm or you know, what feels like a miasma around them, you know, isn't oppressing them anymore. Often the reason that we think we're having a um, problem with with somebody or with ourselves or we're overcome by fear or sadness or or stress, it's only because we don't know that we've imposed those things on our beautiful, intuitive, um, effervescent beings. So it it's really it's it's really um working with, with each other to to locate what wants to come free and to and to demonstrate that our essence really is free. It's free to live, it's free to love, it's free to have, it, it's free to be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh as a as a medical guide, mm-hmm. I have to a lot of times guide people just like you do on different paths. And in our show on Magical Medical Tour, we've talked with positive psychologists, we've talked with hypnosis uh, therapists, past life regression therapists, uh, a number of other types of healers. How does one make the decision to go to a past life regression therapist, a positive psychology coach, a hypnotist, or an intuitive?
2: (laughs) You're going to laugh. Intuitively, <laughs>
1: <laughs> boy, did I, I, I set will, myself up for that?
2: <laughs> I, I will. I'll explain. You know, we usually have a feeling that that that's the thing for us, or you know, we hear about a. Pr- Particular partic- practitioner, or we talk to someone who just went to see somebody, or we see a, a notice or a card somewhere, and we just say, "Oh, oh, I want to try that. That feels right." So that's part of it, and and that in is really our intuition informing us to go out and try something. And the the other thing is that we shift and we change all the time. We aren't always ready to have something become open or something become revealed. We aren't always ready to release parts of ourselves that we're really familiar with that are, that are making a mess of our lives just because of their influence and our belief in that influence. So we shift, we change the atmosphere around us is constantly flowing and constantly moving. There are always new opportunities and different things coming, coming, you know, in front of us for us to, to take a hold of or to ignore. And it's, and it really is just, Going with what feels right, going with the flow. Uh,
1: There you go with flow again. It's amazing how many words (laughs) you use uh, in that metaphor, diving into something, flowing, floating, all of that. (laughs) Christina, uh, any thoughts, any questions? We're coming near the end. We want to get a health tip in, and I have one more question for (laughs) <laughs> Anatara, but any anything you want to ask? Uh,
0: no, I know. I, I you know, Anatara, we play and we play so much on her show and on sure. the Trinity of Life. So, so we're kind of uh, sisters of that realm.
1: That's true. All <laughs> so right, so then I'm going hear right your on.
0: Questions? <laughs>
1: okay. Well, um, now I've even forgotten the question. <laughs> oh yeah, now I remember the question, Anatara. When you were preparing for this show. Is there anything that we have not discussed that you want to make sure that people know and impart to them before we get to your health tip? Anything that we've left out that you really want to be brought into this conversation?
2: Sure. Many <laughs> things, but I'll try to keep it short. The, I knew that. The <laughs> how intuitive of you. <laughs> uh, the, the most important thing that I feel that that we as as a people in general forget is that we are not alone. We're not alone in this life. We're not alone in this world. We're not alone in this universe. We're not alone in our bodies. And I don't mean that we're not alone in terms of having other people or society or the you know the fast quickly moving world around us. I mean that in our essence. We are one with absolutely everything else. I can never separate myself from the earth that, that provides sunlight and water and life. I, I can never separate myself from the essences of each and every one of you. I can never separate myself from, from wherever it is that I'm standing. And I don't want to. If, if we understand that in essence form, we are all flowing and breathing in exactly the same energetic signals and and inferences from the spaces around us if we believe that even we even if we feel sad that there is a whole infinite existence of beings out there functioning with us working with us helping us showing us learning from us then the sense of loneliness and separation that we all have can't be as big as it is for many of us and and in most of our lives for most of us sometimes, so you're not alone you are never alone you aren't you aren't you don't have to figure this out all, all by yourself. work with your intuition work with the with the people that present themselves to you, work with the things that you don't like and find a way to feel and to live in that oneness
1: uh, very nice it almost sounds like it's your health tip but i'm <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that we're going to uh get something great from you. We're speaking with Anatara about health and intuition. Anatara, our life awareness counselor and master intuitive. Would you share a health tip with us?
2: Sure. My my health tip is that your body is brilliant.
1: Mm.
2: And Christina and I did a show about this in one of my Flowing Into Awareness shows. So you can look for it if you want to. But the body is brilliant as as the the spiritual mental physical beings that we are many things are expressed the final expression is through the physical so when your body shows you something when it shows you that it's in pain, when it shows you that it's itchy, when it shows you that it's heavier than you want or skinnier than you want, listen to what it has to say. Use that, those steps that I gave you to listen to what your body can tell you. Your mm. body knows what you need. It knows what you need on all levels. Mm. You can work and be with your body and heal almost anything.
1: Uh, very nice. I'm grateful to our very special guest, Anantara, for sharing her wisdom with us and her experience. I'd like to thank all of my teachers and all of my healers to allow me to be on my journey today. And I would like to thank Christina Segovia and all of Yoga Hub for Magical Medical Tour and Trinity and Flowing into Awareness and all of the other shows that are going to be coming online very soon. Look forward to meeting with all of you again in another week as we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. Thank you so much, Anatara, for sharing with us. And until next week, I wish you all optimal health.
0: Yay. Thank you so much, Anatara. It's um Blessing to have you grace our shows. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and of course, thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for being a great host and those wonderful questions. And to each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support. And we look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. <laughs> You can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him through his website at com, where we encourage you to learn about his metaphor, Square Breath. And also to connect with Anatara at anatara.ca. Anatara.ca. We also invite you to check out her six part series here on Shop Yoga Hub uh, called The Inner Tutor. The Inner Tutor. This is a six-part course um, on developing your intuition. So we invite you to join us for that and also connect with her. And of course, we are always grateful for your feedback. Um, You can post a question at the bottom of the site there or give us a call at 818-LET'S TALK. 818-LET'S TALK. And we will be sure to get back to you. Until next time, namaste.